photograph sparked curiosity. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I think that that is so important. And you are what in your thirties. Yeah, that's correct. And, and you know, you're, you're still curious over a photograph. It is sparking that level of, of what inflection reflection. I don't know what the right word would be, but yeah, neither maybe, (laughs) um, but introspection, (laughs) introspection. Is that maybe what I'm looking for? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But but some, some level, it's a wonder you call it. It's a level of wonder, right? Yeah. And and, and that's great. And I can only imagine what it's going to do for younger, for younger people. And, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. From a photograph, right? A simple photograph with some fun facts. They seem harmless when they're put out there, but look what they can do. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's a monumental achievement. It is time for retraction. I'm Antoine, and I'm Jamie, and we're reversing course through discourse, otherwise known as the podcast that is in awe of living in a time of defining scientific achievement thanks in part to the success of the james webb space telescope the jwst saving the century huzzah is it huzzah (laughs) huzzah (laughs) did you see that anyway yeah huzzah that is what a great achievement we've already posted the pictures released by them just, just for the sake of it, it's probably the only post I've done on our page that isn't in promotion for anything. It's just a milestone for humanity. A new set of frames for humanity's eyes on the cosmos. I was so excited that I jotted down a number of facts that I just wanted to just throw out and sort of just chat about. So you see, right. where, see where your head's at. Because I, I was like, you know what? I don't even want to just read a story about this. I'm going to read several stories about this, and I'm just going to cherry pick the coolest facts out there. So fact number one, it cost $10 billion. Yes, it did. It's great. That is just 1.42% of 2021's military discretionary budget. And that's over like 20 years. We so- look at that. That's 1.42%. That's just a single year for the military. Yeah. And this was over 20 years. Well, that's that's a great return on investment. I think that's yeah. fantastic ROI. Imagine if, I don't know, we threw NASA $100 billion. Most of the spinoff tech that we have today is because of NASA. Who knows what who we'd knows probably, could come up with? Who knows what we have? We probably have colonies on other celestial bodies at this point. Flying cars. Probably Mining the asteroids. Everyone yep. has diamonds and gold. It's Everybody. plentiful. That's right. That's right. You get a diamond. You get a diamond. Everyone gets a diamond. I thought that was really interesting because it'd be already some, you know, there's always slight detractors, uh, especially people who are like fiscal hawks who, you know, are like, oh, we spent $10 billion. Was it worth it? Or what are we getting for that? And I'm like, are you, you, I mean, have you been dropped on your head? Could you, you," (laughs) like, as I'm saying, it's, this is so, it's such a tiny amount of money to have spent for such an amazing achievement. What do we get for that? Now read (laughs) this 4,000 year old book. That has produced so much. Uh, like, I just think it's fantastic. Anyway, I mean, yeah. the science gives us so much, and especially something like the NASA, NASA's programs. Yeah. Um, we get so much spin up. Your Velcro, your glow in the dark, your MRI. Your there's just the list goes on. Yeah. Next time you're in Florida, folks, take the bat the backlock tour of uh, the Kennedy Space Station and or Space Center, and you will see 
Um, all the spinoff technologies, they give you a nice little brochure, kind of list it all out there for you. You could yeah, Google really it, cool. but why not go see that. it for yourself? Mm. But it's, it's you, there's so much, the, there's so many little and medium size and very, very big things that we've gotten from NASA um, for their measly, what does they get? 25 billion a year, I think, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. It's something small. Yeah. That's to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Just sent 42 billion to uh, Ukraine. No, no, that mean, that's kind of necessary if you're not going to put boots on the ground and not going to go toe to toe with anybody. But yeah, I'm just saying we, we, we don't shy away from money. If it, if it, uh, it, it you know, if it, if it comes with explosions, we're usually pretty cool with it. That's, that's all I'm saying. There's usually not many problems with that. So, well, you, you have all these rare materials on earth, finite materials on earth. Water apparently is running out. There are planets filled asteroids meteors filled with stuff that we can just take you know there there there's a whole universe out there um i don't know i don't know what we're doing to ourselves or right for the taking well it's there and we have the means i mean we have conceptually we can get out there we just uh we don't it almost seems on purpose well uh what did brad what'd you say what'd you what'd oh. you say in a previous episode you make more money off a dying a dying town. It sounds like you might make more money off a dying planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's not bad. That's not bad. I was gonna say it was like you're, you're sounding like Brad Pitt and Troy when he he plays Achilles. You know, when, when he lands on the beach and what does he tell the other Greeks? He says, "Take it, it's yours." It's a fantastic movie, people. Go really? see it. That's no, a fantastic movie. It's terrible. No, it's, it's really bad. Good. It's really bad. So that's your movie reference. You have <laughs> knocked that's me for all of my obscure references, and then you you go with Troy. All right, that's what I Fair got. Enough. So you so I think it's really interesting because the way that scientists that they've been throwing this around uh, telescopes as a time machine. Um, that's not necessarily a way that I feel most people think about telescopes, but you know you're always looking into the past. So I just thought that was really fun. Um, a little thing yeah, there. 13 and a half billion years in the past for some of that's these right. stars. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, that, that's the, the, the first images, right? That's where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so this I thought this was a really cool fact. So uh, the differences between Hubble, which is in low Earth orbit, and um, James Webb, JWST, mm-hmm. uh, Hubble is warm and it emits infrared by being close to the Earth, difficult, which makes it difficult to detect faint infrared. The uh, the web sits a hundred million on the uh, miles on the dark side of the earth in order to remain cool, and it's mm. as long as a tennis court and has a massive sun shield, which allows it to stay cool. To what is it? It's like I have negative shoot, this might not be right. Is it negative two, three, three C? Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> that, it's something like it took a, something it that took, crazy. It took several weeks. We covered this on the last on the on a previous pod episode mm. where uh, when we were first launching this, I think it was in February of this year. And uh, it took several weeks for it to just get in the right position so that it didn't, um, it didn't heat up from any ambient energy getting right. off by the earth. And right. it had to stay at a very cold temperature. I don't know the temperature, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but super, yeah, but super, ridiculous. super cold. Yeah. So that, um, yeah. So that it so was it's not emitting any efficiently. Of right. Exactly. Well, I mean, part of it, the reason it's so significant is because being able to see, in that infrared light is what it allows it to detect, uh, basically the uh, the light for the farthest reaches of the of the uh, of the universe. So I mean that that's that's part of its charm. I'm just saying that was fantastic. It, this is amazing. 
I mean, it's so much more than just like sticking your camera out and point and click. Uh, the precision, the consideration, mm. all of these things that go into launching and operating and designing such a thing. It's, um, you know, it, it's, I, I felt, I, I, I think you did too. We watched when the first images were unveiled and I thought they did a pretty decent job of putting up the, putting up beautiful images. Yeah. Um, even the atmospheric composition of that planet, right? Mm-hmm. They did a they, they did a pretty job simplifying things and picking pretty pictures and speaking them speaking about them in a way that the public, the general public, could digest. Um, and they showed montages of like what goes into building and stuff, uh, the telescope. But you know, for those of you that are interested that may not know exactly what goes into this, I do encourage you to to dig a little deeper because there is so much work and planning. And I think you would be surprised at the precision, how much thought goes into every little bit and what the slightest flaw can do. If any of you are familiar with the Hubble, um, it didn't work when it was first launched. Um, and just the slightest flaw can, can throw off everything. So it's not like a, a disposable camera. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll do the best I can here, people. <laughs> Jamie's <laughs> the science person. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump by. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring here. I'm going to, I'm gonna try and source some scientific knowledge here. So Go for uh, it. you're doing good. Uh, all right, great. So, so another cool fact, another cool fact that I thought was awesome. Uh, a, it took five days to capture the images that we that were unveiled, which is fast, by the way. Right, because I I didn't jot down how long it took Hubble to do something. I want to say like weeks or weeks. something like yeah, that. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's very very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the universe, approximately, scientists believe, is 13.8 billion years old. The JWST, the images it sent were from third, right? You said 13.5 billion years. So that's just a 300 million year difference between the basically the inception of our universe and what and the images that we that we brought back. I just thought that that was a of, cool thing to highlight. I'm not sure that I mean, yeah, people have talked about it in different different circles, but that was one of the things that I thought was just amazingly awe striking was the fact that you've, you, you've got such a small number between actually possibly seeing like the big bang itself and, and what we got to see. Well, what you wind up seeing, right? It's the observable universe. And there's this, and someone will tear my statement to shreds that I'm about to make, I'm sure. But there's this microwave field, I think, or something like that, that is thought to be the remnant of the big bang. Um, and it, I think at once was thought to just be noise being picked up by a radio telescope or something like that, mm-hmm. or microwave telescope. I don't know. Okay. Um, I think it was in New Jersey, actually, at the Bell, Bell Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wound up picking this up and then they worked it out where it's this like layer, this like shell that encapsulates the observable universe and they can see hot and cold spots. And it's all this energy that, you know, if you imagine an explosion, it's that initial shock wave of energy mm-hmm. that everything else is contained within. And the big question is what's on the other side of that? Because we cannot see past it. That uh, is the measurable observable universe that we have. And there's no way to see past it as of now. So, is that, and if we were to see past it, that would be basically taking photos of the beginning itself. Then, no, I, I, I'm not. We're not sure. You're not sure. No, and, okay, and, and I'm sure right. there are theories about it, but it's like, okay. you know, what's on the other side of the door if you've never opened it, right? Like mm. if you've never if you've never seen past it, it's like you don't know. Is there nothing? Mm. Is that the the border of existence, or is there something else outside of it? Mm. Is, is that, that what the, the other? Is side? that what the aliens gatekeep? Is that, is that how they keep us 
in the dark? Is I that, that's is that where the tree? Do- is that the that's tree where Dor- Dormammu lives um, from Doctor Strange. Got you. Got you. Yeah. It's another dimension. Okay. I thought this was also interesting. So our galaxy, Milky Way, is 13.6 billion years old. Because there's. Sorry, say that again. That I do not know off the top of my head. Well, that that that, that was the number I was given. That's number yeah, that I, right. that was good. Because uh, apparently all galaxies are actually fairly young. Not not young. We're a smaller galaxy of small to medium right. sized galaxy too. Something like Andromeda is like, I think like a trillion stars and we're like 200 billion or something like that. And I sorry, I didn't mean to say they're young. I meant to say that most galaxies formed at basically the inception of the of what we know of as the universe. So that's what I'm saying. Like all galaxies are uh, fairly old in general. And the, yeah, true? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, that, that's what I read. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, and the thing is, Earth is they merge only... and stuff. So I, I don't know how that all is considered. Oh, that's true. Um, well, that's but they true, all, all are. So you have like the big novas and the supernovas mm-hmm. and the quasars and stuff. And they all like will disperse gas and eventually coalesce again. Um, but the idea that no new galaxies are born. After no, no, the there are. New, I don't no, know. no, no. There are new galaxies. No, don't get. I said that, I just said that a lot of them. The majority. Oh. Are. That's all. That's it. But there are, yeah, there are new galaxies. There are. Yeah, I guess it would be kind of like a churn, right? Um, as long as the gas can find one another to coalesce and forge new galaxies and stars, the nebula and such, I, I, I think that it would happen. But the idea is that with the universe expanding, that will become less likely as yes. time goes on until right. there's just the big freeze. So. Right, right. Uh, Earth is only 4.5 billion years old. Okay, which is just wild when you think about that compared to how old the galaxy is. And then it still took another billion years, just about, for Earth to get life, essentially. Okay. And I think, I just think that's so wild considering how old the galaxy is. So it's sort of like when I think about the other observe, like the other galaxies that we're looking at, and we're looking at them from such a basically at them in their infancy by going back to 13 by basically 13 or so billion years isn't it interesting i mean is it has have you heard any rumblings of that like the, the like what we're looking at is so far in the past that they're very well if we were to see something instantaneous like something today there probably might be civilizations out there oh yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm there, just people, yeah. Generally, we think that there is life out no, there. No, we, and, we and think it, but I'm just, but I'm yeah. saying this is the first time when you're looking that far in. I'm like, I, you know, when you, it just, it was just like that's well, wild. I mean, there. I mean, you, yeah, but you have to remember that. All right, if the universe is 13.8 billion and you're looking at 13.5 billion, now clearly they can look older than that or younger, depending on how you're thinking about it, but. That would only be point, what did I say? Three point three billion years, whatever that is. Uh, difference, like uh, they're likely, or there, there might not be civilizations in that view. But if they keep taking photos and stuff like that, yeah, they might, they may find evidence of that. I mean, that's kind of what's really exciting about all of this, especially when they start looking at atmospheric compositions and how there was all those like false alarms with Venus and whether or not there was bacteria living in the atmosphere because of mm-hmm. certain chemical compounds that were right. present. Like they, they, they can definitely look at stuff. Uh, and say like, hey, there's no natural method for this, or um, the concentrations of this are unlikely to be natural. So it, it is interesting what they'll be able to tell. 
Um, what's in what's where I thought you were going with this is that yeah. when you think about something being 13.8 billion years, right, in existence, and they mm-hmm. and then you think about the earth being what'd you say, like four or five billion years yeah, old? It's like four or five years um, it's because there's a process, right? It's you have the center of the galaxy, and then you have the arms, the and in our case, the spiral galaxy, and we are on one of those spirals, but we're on the outer edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need the stars to form, right? You need the nebula to form, then the stars to form. Uh, and then the planets and the gas giants, like there's like a whole process and each, each of those milestones is billions and billions of years in between. So it's uh, when you start thinking about all the incremental steps that need to happen before you have a planet with life, like it seems, it, it seems about right that I think there's plenty of room for civilizations to have come and gone before us or, and hopefully still exist. But um, it's a, uh, it's kind of cool when you like lay it all out there and, you, and and then you start looking at the processes, how long they take and all the incremental steps. And you're like, wow, it, it kind of does work out that way. It's just, um, it's cool to think about. Well, I mean, the, the, part of what I was thinking is that, you know, and again, <laughs> probably to get a professional on because this is my amateur brain going about this. But I was just saying, like, if, if our galaxy is, is, you know, it's 13 half billion years, just about, you know, and it take you know, it took, the earth to form took four and a half right and then you've got us at th- well not us uh we don't appear to like 600 million but i was just sort of thinking i was like you know are we could we be one of the older life life forms considering I how old our galaxy that. is that's I what i'm trying to think that. like are we the, the what are the we might we are might we the be gods? the originals well we might we be the, the gods start. well i i just think that's it's it's it, is that out of the realm of possibility? Because I'm trying to. I'm, that's what I'm trying sad. to. In my brain, is that it's sad if we how are how long be- it takes, right? And the fact I'm just saying because we're in a galaxy that is not new. No, but you old, have to think. So yeah, but there was so much life before Homo sapiens that just didn't take off. Look, look how long no, the dinosaurs seriously? were around. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Versus how long we've been around Mil- hundreds of millions of years versus well, hundred thousand years for us. Yeah. Yeah. How long we came? So imagine us sooner hundreds of millions of years sooner it's definitely possible but what i'm trying to say is what are the possibilities of that you know because of how old our galaxy is what are the possibilities of a life-sustaining planet being created earlier than our life-sustaining planet like what are the odds of a a planet being created before four and a half billion years that could sustain life in that way that's what that's what that's the question i have (laughs) i think good well i don't know if it's good because i'm just i mean it's it's you know we haven't stumbled upon anything as there's billions of galaxies that's true billions billion and they have between i mean i'm sure there's galaxies with millions of stars but 200 billion stars to a trillion stars on some accounts um billions of them i mean it's stupid i mean it would be a fun thought to think that we're the first to enter the stage and it's certainly possible who's to say right who's to say but I mean, my money's not on that. Mm. My money's on there's there's just I mean, even when you think about the dinosaurs. So we're, we happen to be the first intelligent life form that can leave our planet. But we also coincidentally had life on this planet for hundreds of millions of years before us that just didn't take off and suffered an asteroid strike and other mass extinction level events. I mean, we've had multiple yeah. that have like cleaned the slate, re- yeah. like virtually clean the slate. On that so, down, so basically, we're looking level, at a. But, you're saying if there was like a Goldilocks, a perfect planet that did that escaped such mass uh, 
mass extinction. Well, what I'm saying is for us to be the first, it's saying. not that it's not that we're the first because the planet finally cooled, got liquid water, and then we arrive. Right. Yeah, we that's, are, that's right. We are at, we are not the first on this planet. And the right. idea that Earth is somehow the first habitable planet to have formed and harbored life is a stretch. And then to say that in that time, even if we weren't the first, the hundreds of millions of years that went by before we arrived, Homo right. sapiens, yeah. that no other planet entered the stage. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that, I mean that, that's a good point. That, that's the question I had. I just I wanted to, to sort of I mean, nobody knows. Reaffirm I just, it. I just think yeah, it's unlikely. I, it's, just, it's, like, it's the first time I ever thought about it. That's that's how that's how amazing this event is. It's just the, it's just the first time I ever considered that maybe I we love are the curiosity. First, I mean, the I always assumed that there were other civilizations out there naturally based on the the sheer numbers, just like you're saying, if you've got billions of stars out there, I mean, the, what are the odds that it would be possible for us to be first? But this for the first time, I was like, oh, man, we're looking so far back. I'm like, I'm thinking, hmm, hmm. It's, <laughs> we're still it's seeing, we're still finding bupkis. Well, the thing is, not is that much, still nothing. About what I like about your line of questioning is that a photograph sparked curiosity. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I think that that is so important. And you are what in your thirties. Yeah, that's correct. And, yeah, and still. you know, you're, you're still curious over a photograph. It is sparking that level of, of what inflection re reflection. I don't know what the right word would be, but yeah, neither maybe, <laughs> um, but introspection, <laughs> introspection. Is that maybe what I'm looking for? No, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, but some, some level but it's of wonder of, you of, call of, it. Go of, simple. Of, it's of a level wonder, of wonder, right? Yeah. It's a level and, of wonder. And, and that's great. And I can only imagine what it's going to do for younger, for younger people. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, from a photograph, right? A simple photograph with some fun facts. They seem harmless when they're put out there, but look what they can do. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's a monumental achievement, and uh, hopefully it will not it will not dissipate as we as as the news cycle turns over. Because oh, uh, I well, I'm happy because they're going to continue to release the photos, and they're going to continue to. So if you if you pay attention to the space, they're going to they're going eventually they're going to they're going to find something else that people are gonna be like, wow, I cannot well, believe that's there. Wait until the scientists get a hold of it. I mean, this was like let's that's just like point too. and click and and let's do a let's do a pilot. Let's just see what this thing can do. Let's take it out for a test drive. Right. Let's make sure the engine's working. Right. Wait until the scientists with their grants and their projects get a hold of this over the next couple decades. Decades, yeah. Um, and look what it did in what five days? You said, yeah. Imagine when some of these academics get it and they just start. Oh man, whatever they're gonna do, and mm -hmm. then you'll get people who are like, "I know it's built for this, but I'm gonna use it for this." I mean, just mm -hmm. like the creativity, the oh man, that this is gonna enable. Wow, it's such a great enabler. I can't wait to see what they do with it. It also has some sister telescopes. I think there's one in Chile that are augmenting, so they're like taking um, basically wide swath viewpoints uh, alongside it. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's like, this is getting very granular. So it's being very detailed about it, but then there's like, there's another one. And I think it's, I just don't remember the name, but I know it's in Chile. Uh, and they are, they're basically like following it, but just doing much like big, bigger panoramic shots so that they could sort of like, uh, intersplice them. Like they could take this, the more specifics and kind of juxtaposition them and see if there's anything else that they could see by, by zooming all the way out. So the, so I'm saying it's, it's, a, it's got many layers this this uh this project so i i love it i, I mean, think in our lifetime we're gonna it's gonna find something that's gonna blow the socks off of what we thought of in terms of like how we perceive the universe so i, I it, it's just a matter of time that's the hope it really is i mean 
you saw how well it saw 13 and a half billion years ago. We don't need to look that far back every time. So you refocus this thing, start pointing it in other directions. And what do they say? The, um, the, the deep field view, right? The, the mm-hmm. first photo that they released that shows all the galaxies, you know, when you zoom in, you can see like, holy cow, those are all galaxies. Yeah. The size of the area that that covered is equivalent to you holding up a grain of sand on the tip of your finger with your arm extended. Hold it up to the sky, and that's how many galaxies it found in that tiny speck of space. It's phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. How can you not wonder? And th- that's what I said to you too, though. I, I that when I heard that statistic, that's a good. That's that. Glad you put that out there. That was another good point. The I was like, well, if you were just to hold up a grain of sand at the edge of your driveway, and let's say you're just your driveway meets your neighbor's driveway, so there is literally, you know, there's no cars in it. Let's just for this exercise. So you're basically seeing nothing. There's nothing, 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 and then you you just keep lining up those grains of sand, and eventually you're it's like you're you're going to hit your neighbor's house, and at that point your mind would get blown. You're like, well. Th- what is this object? It just keeps on going. Now, is that the, are those the machine aliens? Is that the machine world? We don't know, but it'll be interesting when we get there. Cause we're going to get there. We're going to be like, Oh, Whoa, look at this. Look at this. I mean, and it's cool because once you start incorporating AI to analyze data and you just have this thing running 24 seven and you can do a lot of cool things. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of sky to see. But having machines like up there, like this up there doing the work for us, it's, yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait. I, I mean, I'm thinking like, what's this going to do a year from now, two years from now? But I can't imagine like 10 years from now what we're going to get out of this. I can't wait to revisit. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I just want to do, want to do a little homage to the uh, a little honorific, a little salute to the James Webb and there and that star team. Good there job, go. space, space fly gals and guys and and uh they thems thank you thank you salute you antoine thinks you might have earned your patch (laughs) don't believe in patches he doesn't think that ash them i don't but but you may have earned a nasa patch this might be the first flag that could unite the world the james webb flag just a a flag (laughs) of the telescope Uh, out of orbit anyway all right over to you all right i got to bring up I got an, uh, it's a quick quickie. It's more of just a PSA, I think maybe, or no, okay. actually that's funny. That's a segue into the second topic, but um, okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to use that phrase. So this is an update from a previous episode where we asked the question if nature should have rights. And hmm. in that episode, we recalled various examples of animal rights. One being happy, the elephant from the Bronx Zoo. Do you recall that so the elephant test? Uh, I'm sorry. The, the test where they had an X on her face. And um, they put her in front of the mirror. It's called the mirror test, I believe, off, off the top of my head. This is sounding vaguely familiar. And uh, she kept bringing her trunk up to the X, okay. proving that she was self-aware, right? That's, it's, it's a test to, okay. to measure an animal's uh, awareness level. Um, and Happy was appealing an earlier court decision uh, that said she would not be released from confinement, a confinement that would be illegal for any human. Uh, so the majority decision was written by Chief Justice Janet DeFiore, and she said that, and I quote, while no one disputes that elephants are intelligent beings deserving of proper care and compassion, unquote, um, a writ of habeas corpus is intended to protect protect the liberty of human beings and does not apply to non-human animals like happy. 
And so while animal rights advocates were seeking justice for an autonomous, cognitively complex being, others warned that a win for happy would result in further legal actions to free pets and other species in zoos. That's kind of it. Happy lost yeah. her appeal. She will be um, continue to be confined to an environment that um, many think that isn't right for beings as complex as her. Okay. So just an update because we That's referenced it and it was a, it was a recent um, thing. So we don't have to dwell on that, but I do have another one that I found kind of humorous, maybe or okay. disturbing. I don't know. So here's a PSA. Have you heard of New York City's PSA for a nuclear attack? I did catch wind of, of something, little rumblings. I, I think it's not, it's a bit, it's not, um, mm-hmm. it's meant to be serious. It I've is heard, meant to be serious, yeah. But it did not seem like it was designed by anyone in the scientific community, I feel. Um, it's out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think of our useless asteroid alert system that we covered on an earlier episode when I was reading about it. But then mm-hmm. I watched the essay. I did. I watched it. Um, it opens with, and I have the quote here. So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay. And there are three steps to this PSA in a nutshell. Go if you're on. hit by a nuke, step one, get inside. Step two, stay inside. And step three, watch the news for next steps. <laughs> <laughs> how long was the PSA? I want to say less than a minute. Less okay. than, well, that's, um, that's probably all the information you're, you're going to get in a minute. Have you ever seen the Sounds earlier good. South Park episode when the volcanoes come and they teach all the kids to duck and cover and yeah. put a blanket over their head? And in, yeah. and in the video, the lava goes over the blanket and then in practice, it just like burns them and right. they turn into skeletons. Right. Um, the city's emergency management deputy commissioner said that the video isn't tied to any specific threats. She said it's about raising awareness of something most people haven't given much thought. A direct a quote, a direct quote from her, yeah, in a while, right? Is it's just one tool in the toolbox to be prepared in the 21st century. Okay. So what ran through my head was what in the world, and I thought maybe you would know, what in the world is happening in New York City that they're trying to distract everyone from? <laughs> Um, because there are a number of tragedies that we could focus on and randomly prep for. Uh, And it's unclear why they picked this. It could be a biological attack, an asteroid, an earthquake, a tsunami, a blackout, a coronal mass injection, or I don't know, maybe a highly contagious and lethal virus that we have no vaccine for. Uh, There's a lot of things that people can prepare for out of nowhere. Um, Although I will say that if this is the first out of a series of PSAs on various threats, I'm I'm fully behind that. But if this is a one and done, um, it feels a little weird. It feels odd. It's an odd thing to just put out into the void for no apparent reason other than saying, well, FYI, we are. I mean, we are. Russia is at war. It is an active war with a European nation, not a NATO nation. But I mean, you know, they what do you got? You got Finland and uh, was it Norway? Who've, or mm-hmm. Sweden, yeah, right. Who've joined the uh, mm-hmm. who joined NATO? I'm just saying, it's it's not completely out of left field. I, I wouldn't give it to you. I'm not going to. Russia is not nuking 
podcast. I, look, I feel that way too, but I just say that, you know, if you're doing preparedness and it's your job, you know, to look at all the scenarios and angles, I mean, that's not, it's not too crazy. To you don't think that like, Hey, that way. I want to put something out there. It's my job. I am the, what was her title? I am the emergency management deputy commissioner. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't put out a nuclear um, warning video and tell people to stay inside and watch the news. The it's, EMP alone would probably knock out all your comms anyway. What are you talking about? It's not. I like I said, it doesn't sound well researched, but, but I you, get, clearly people are going to be like, "Dude, what? Where does this from? What is what? What aren't they telling us? What's going on? Are we in a threat? Why would you say this? This is not like." <laughs> It's not an innocent thing to put out there. We used to do them in the 50s, right? Dude, we used to do them in the 50s, 60s, during the Cold War. The Cold War. Yeah, the Cold War. It's the same. I mean, we're in a similar we're in a close situation. It's not too dissimilar to it. This is a this is like a new Cold War of sorts in the way that it's a proxy war with you know the West versus Russia. I mean, we know this. Let's not pretend like that's they not should what's be going putting on. out stuff on how to read misinformation on social media. I mean, they'd be better off with uh, considering new legis, considering the uh, the wins in the Supreme Court. They'd be better off doing um, PSAs on what to do in a mass shooting drill because now you could open carry, not open carry, you could conceal carry in the city. So I mean, that that maybe that's where the nuclear is coming from because they don't want to have to deal with mass panic of like making people worried just to go to Times Square or go to a movie theater. Absolutely, it just raises. Could be. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing so stuff out many there. I don't questions. know. It raises so many. It is one of the worst catastrophes that could happen. A nuke going off in a populated area. And they're just throwing it out there like, hey, we don't think you've thought about this in a while. So <laughs> FYI, make a plan. Have a rally point with your family. Like, I, this isn't like a periodic hurricane you might get hit with. Like, it's so. I almost feel like there was a budgetary meeting and someone just they, they weren't serious, but they were not, not serious. They just were asking a question about why this office exists. Like they were just they were probing. They were, you know, they were saying, we kind of get why you exist. But could you maybe give us some like some recent things that you've done, some recent projects? They were like, oh, we got something for you. Nukes. <laughs> what if the city gets hit with you? That's what our department's here for. We get nuked. We're going to be the saving grace. That's what we're here. That's what we're the, here to do. I'm just saying, yeah, maybe there's sure, something like that. Sure. I don't know. But then the steps are the steps are useless. Go inside, stay inside, and then watch it's first the steps. News. It's first steps. What do you, what do you want people Dude, to say? Because if, if get, you see a fireball in the sky with radioactive fallout ashing on your face, you're not going to be like, hmm, let's catch this flakes in my tongue. Like, can you imagine you, a video that just says, if we if we're hit by a nuke? Turn to your loved ones and kiss them goodbye. Can you can you imagine how horrible that would be? I don't. Uh, I don't know why I'm driving so much pleasure from imagining. It's just such an a absurd. Video. It's like it. That's such a natural thing to do. Something horrible happens. You want to go shelter. Like yeah, it's just telling you to do well, it. Well, it's human instinct to do that. It's just for the um, for the knowledge that you apparently imparted on the public. Was it worth? the hysteria or the 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 doubt now or the the fear that you have put out there like you didn't tell them anything useful they said to, to go inside i mean we i feel like we maybe we're living in a new age you know we can't tell that people might not just want to sit outside and watch you don't know oh my god um <laughs> you don't know you're right I don't Some know. people might have wanted to just be like, you know what? I want to watch this. I think this is exciting. It's interesting. Look at that plume. 
Look at that plume. Wow, look at that shockwave heading towards. I'm just saying, it's been ash falling from the sky. It's been such a long time (laughs) that maybe people have just forgotten what a nuclear attack looks like. You know what? You think this is funny, but light that could blind me. Did you know at the first battle of the Civil War, people went and picnicked to, to watch? No, well, they did that. I think throughout the Civil War, but that's no, because... no, they didn't do it. No, no, because that first... I don't think that was only the first. Well, that well, the first one the first. is cited because the battle they they thought the battle was going to be a quick, easy little skirmish, and that the South was going to basically run away until the cannonballs started landing in the picnic area. So I, I'm not too sure. I don't know if picnicking, continued. but I know that there were spectators that would watch on neighboring hilltops. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's. It, 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 I don't know if they made like I don't know they did champagne people who live there. I don't just, think they did champagne toasts and stuff. And they well, the beginning. I'm just saying that maybe you know, people. My point is, people might not always think in the most sensible way around a dangerous situation. Yeah, but That's to all your I'm point, trying to bring to, to light. Your point. Once they saw the battle and the fear, maybe yeah. they didn't like set up shop next to it. Well, they I, I just can't imagine. Everyone knows what a mushroom cloud looks like, and I cannot imagine anyone seeing that. You would either try and flee, or you would shelter. Okay. I can't imagine anyone just sitting out there and being like. Get my get my polarized sunglasses. I want to see this. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know, man. Instagramming it. It's pretty good for the gram. You get the if your devices even it. work. <laughs> if they even work. I know. Well, you got to test, right? You got you 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 miss every shot you don't take. Oh you you got to try. So that's well. That's the thing. They're telling well, I'm you. Glad that, I'm glad that Do I'm glad try. that someone thinks that this PSA was worth it. Um, and that that person is Antoine. You know, well, I'm, he I'm learned just, something uh, new. I, I didn't PSA. know. No, I didn't learn anything new. But, but I'm just saying, maybe that's a possibility. I'm just putting it out there, people. I'm trying to say that maybe in this hectic, crazy world that we live in, maybe someone just thought they could do a little bit of good. They were like, you know what? Maybe I don't know enough about what to do in a nuclear attack. And they were like, I, I'm going to help others figure this out with me. And then, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, that's fair. Hey, all right. Hey, they made it for a reason. Did they? Well, no, <laughs> well, I, honestly, that's what I, I'm. I know you don't live in New York anymore, but I was hoping that you had like, oh, yeah, there's a there's this big controversy right now. That's clearly what they're diverting attention from. Yeah, Maybe I just something... referenced it. I mean, it's the guns. I'm sure oh. the guns is what they're trying to not make you think about right now. So they just went like with more violence. <laughs> like, what? Well, the ultimate, you know, the it's like the Things ultimate aren't solution. That bad. We could be nuked. Exactly. Don't worry about being perspective, people perspective. Mowed down in a theater in the city, oh, you know, a nuke might come, you know, that that's worse, you know, count your blessings, apparently. Yep, that's right. So that was interesting. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was interesting. I, I will go back to the personhood of the elephant, though. That's that's kind of sad, too. Uh, you know, I here's the thing I don't blame the justices or any court for coming down on that ruling in that way because, again, you know, laws were made for people, you know, and uh. You know, it's a stretch to apply them to lakes or, you know, rivers or nature or animals. Uh, I get the desire to do so because it's something that we both agree is necessary. If you want to live in a progressively modern society, you have to take into account the fact that you are not autonomous and that your actions as people um, affect the will of nature and affect uh, other animals within the vicinity of our civilizations and the way that I think we... it's Congress. Congress needs to do something. Well, that's what it is, right? We need an update to the way, or again, constitutional convention. Um, 
plug. Uh, With the elephants. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what's going to bring it about. Yeah. Well, I'll just say you. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it's up to the people who make laws. You, we have to expand our, our knowledge base. We have to expand our, our, our cultural zeitgeist in the way that we frame uh, how we exist in this world. And that's part of it. You looking to the justices to create laws by inter- by wide interpretation of of, of these very narrowly uh, derived legal frameworks is, I think, you know, that's it's it's wishful thinking, and and um, it's well, it incredibly cuts both ways, right? It cuts both ways too. It can come back if you have justices who feel differently about. Oh yeah, well, things. we've learned this, right? We've yeah. learned this in a modern in a modern time. That's exactly right. It comes exactly. It it cuts both ways. So uh, it's not set in stone unless you actually take it on. Let like you take it. You take the legislation head on and say this is actually something very deliberate that we in this period of humanity decide is necessary and important, and we're going to enshrine it and in, in, in a type of uh, in a type of law, right? That uh, that therefore can be interpreted to either encompass more animals or beings or what have you uh, further down the road. But we're going to set the legal precedent right now and here and now by building a law that says that. You cannot keep animals in a certain type of environment, especially if they exhibit uh, some sort of uh, superior intellect. Um, but it, it shouldn't even have to come to that. You shouldn't have to, you know, there just should, I don't know. It, it, it depends on what we want out of our world, people. You know, that's where we, that's where it all comes down to. If you, if, if you want to put your head in the sand and ignore it, pretend like it's not happening and, uh, and not really hold uh, the people who are elected to office to have to do anything really, but maintain a status quo uh and that's the job then uh you know that's the, that's the society you're choosing to live in but if you want anything you know new and special you know something optimistic something that you can leave to future generations to say you did your best and uh to move the wheel forward you know well that's just a decision we're all gonna have to make it's gonna be a hard one but it's coming one way or another so well that's said, I have to sir. say about that well said sir so I got a re- I got a, a court related topic, but I don't know if you got something else you want to do. No, let's do the court related topic and uh, we can end on that. Why don't we just hit that up? And uh, that's our show. So, well, yeah. What's your court related topic? Court related topic. Fresh is off this the press. New, yeah. Is this, is, is this a new segment or are we going to do the courts? Or do you want like a court intro? It's not a woof update. It's like, no, what's the, the theme to was it night court? Yeah, I was. You, so funny i was just thinking of bull from night court when you were you saying go. that we both yeah <laughs> uh, and then people's court the people's court theme kept coming in uh, my yeah. head which mm-hmm. i didn't want but i wanted the night court theme yeah but i can't remember right now that's funny all right so justice clarence thomas hints oh. at overturning a landmark freedom of the press ruling okay which one Um, So in a dissenting opinion late last month, Thomas wrote that the court should revisit the 1964 ruling on New York Times versus Sullivan, which many legal analysts think is judicial talk to overrule it. You heard about this at all? No, that is so vaguely familiar. Yeah, I haven't. I'm not a court dude. I don't know this stuff, but obviously that's a big one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. What happens? Sullivan was a city police commissioner in Montgomery, Alabama, who sued the Times and 60 eminent Americans over a full page 1960 ad they had placed to raise money for Martin Luther King Jr.'s budding civil rights movement. 
The ad called police actions against nonviolent protesters in Montgomery, and I quote, an unprecedented wave of terror. So the court ruled that a public official to prove libel must show that a publisher acted with knowledge that its statement was factually false or made with reckless disregard for the truth. That's what the, the definition law of calls the actual malice standard. Mm-hmm. Right. So the court wrote of America's profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues should be uninhibited, robust and wide open. Such debate, the court reasoned, requires breathing room for mistakes. Apparently, the ad had a few, like, I don't, cler- I don't know if clerical is the right, but some, like, technical inaccuracies, but overall was super accurate, like, dead okay. on. Okay. Um, but you could, like, nitpick out a few things, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, the threat of defamation actions would chill robust public debate, according to the article. Yes, yes. If you had to be perfect on everything, then, yes, you could. you, you basically could do nothing. Yeah. So the overruling this decision would make it easier for public figures to sue their critics. That's basically what this would be. And supporters of the decision of the 1964 decision say it would prevent the media from freely reporting on public figures. Imagine Trump weaponizing Thomas's proposed standard. Mm -hmm. So a more tangible example of this would be there was limited amount of factual material that would have been published about January 6th under the Thomas standard. And what could have been published would likely not provide the uh, special house committee or the justice department with enough info to pursue an investigation of Trump's role in the insurrection or the attempted coup. So a real world example of what would happen if this was applied today. So that's kind of all I kind of got from this article, but just wanted to throw that out there. I mean, what about the Jan six reporting was inaccurate because the thing is it, if, when it comes to that, the danger I think, I think it's is speculation. If you have to wait. I think it's right. Exactly. It's you have speculation. To, you right. cannot speculate. You cannot infer. You cannot. You know, you can't put anything out there that I guess isn't a hundred percent vetted. Right. So well, if, you could never you know, if, say if, that if you Trump's, don't if you don't read that two plus two is four, but you only have two plus two, you can't publish it. You right. need everything. Well, that's well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like you could not. You can never do a story that would said that uh, Trump's speech before the the insert infer like you you could never infer that one led to the other you could never put that the two happened necessarily at the same time like you know within moments of one another uh because you'd have to wait for some sort of trial that actually commit like to actually say that that was exactly what happened or you can you couldn't report on it right That's you can't go like off that. of right. a source who gives you an account that you publish and then maybe under oath they change their story a little bit and now you can be sued for defamation because only 90% of it was true, but the 10% they got you. But I also wonder how does that deal with protecting sources as well, which is, which is vital to the press because at that point you probably would have to out any source once it were uh, challenged because in order to prove that what you're saying is true. So, I mean, I think that's probably the, the bigger uh, issue here in terms of like in terms of freedom of the press is that you could no longer have confidential sources you because they would have to be outed in order to cross verify otherwise you would be li- you would be subject to liable which is very dangerous i mean i couldn't even imagine a, uh, a society where that were the case that would be crazy yeah so that seemed troubling um I, I didn't really understand the article caught my attention and i started reading about it i never really thought about it in this way but the idea that yeah, you could sue people for not having the story right. And, but it was done from 
an investigative perspective. Like it was done to investigate. Right. Um, I understand the damage it can cause, but I don't think that, I mean, in your opinion, does that happen often? Because that would almost say that journalists are out to destroy you. Um, and they may be putting things out there knowingly that are inaccurate. Do you find that that happens enough? Like I'm trying to see it from the other side. Like, well, is, I do. Is this, this guy just like a bad, a bad egg? And he's just yeah, like, out yeah. to, well, I mean, look here, like what's the other side? Do, How is he seeing this? Well, I do not like the way that the American press in particular can give the name of people who are charged with a crime. And when reporting a story, because I do think. It does destroy their character, right? Look yes. at the Olympic Regardless, bomber who wasn't it doesn't a bomber. Matter what, right? yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. It, it could be anything. It really could be actually anything because that once it's out there, because it's it's going to be repeated on the internet, which means that anytime someone looks you up, whether you're looking for some sort of gainful employment, even if it had nothing to do with you, it was just a complete mistake. That's always going to come up first. And then it's up to the other people to, for, to investigate further to realize that either there was something that was you know egregiously wrong or what have you. Um, and, I, and I don't know necessarily if this suing protects those people really because the thing is yeah they could sue afterwards to what get some sort of monetary recompensation like a recompensation like uh, what, compensation but the damage is already done in terms of the lifetime of your of your of your good name for instance so i'm not sure that's what i'm trying to say i'm trying to do the same thing with you i'm trying to say what, what is the other side doing but it doesn't sound like that's what he's looking to necessarily do it sounds like he's looking to silence uh basically to create some sort of censorship of well who's going to risk it right i mean what journalist is going to be is going well, to try to say it just sounds like censorship, they could right. end up sued i mean it's just right. not it, it sounds like it's he's trying to protect some sort of status quo that he is helping to bring into power and then and then it can never be challenged because you can never fully write a, an accurate piece on that status, for instance, like you like, for instance, like it, would, it probably would limit the coverage of uh, of even talking about, the, uh, you know, the dismantling of Roe v. Wade and, and, and actually speaking about that accurately, because I mean, that, that's if you want to put it in the framework of the civil rights movement, basically activists on the ground right now who are trying to stop their states from essentially outlawing and criminalizing abortion, it is going to be very difficult to report on that because you have to have everything exactly right otherwise the state of texas or a state of mississippi or any state that is trying very different that this is the, this, the government that is trying to essentially outlaw these things is going to sue the bejesus out of you that, that yeah. that's what i'm saying like if you wanted to create if you want to see where this is in lockstep that's where i see it i see it in lockstep with basically furthering the cause of legislation that they've essentially uh, like uh, of past rulings that they basically just recently ruled and it's basically helping those rulings never be overturned in, in a way in my opinion i mean that, that, that's what i can see in terms of if you're looking at it nefariously that's how i would make this connection right now or is he i mean i don't again i'm you i feel like you follow the courts and and, and legal theory way more than i ever have it again i go back to what is his aim Who, like what is this dude's problem is he just a self-righteous purist who is like, listen, it's not a law. It was an interpretation. The court shouldn't be doing that. Um, and if you want it so bad, then make a law about it. And I don't care who it hurts in the meantime. Like, is that him? Or is he got an agenda out here that's on behalf of some entity? 
Like, I mean, what is yeah. going on? Based here? on the dissenting opinion, in the uh, I, I forget the official name of the of the rogue of the basically the case that that everyone's talking about, but I mean the dissenters were kind of like this dude's a conspiracist. <laughs> They're kind of like he's a little, you know. It, it makes sense that his wife was all involved in the uh, in the insurrection because they were, they were kind of being like this guy might be a little off his rocker. Uh, so yeah, they were doing it politely, but in the dissent, they were they were basically saying that he, he he's a little crazy. So I don't I don't yeah could be yeah could be. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's not 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 great. That's it's not great. That's but maybe that's why you, you should have a lifetime appointment. Yeah, that's not anything you want to hear about someone who can't get fired. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's something we should take a look at. He's slowly declining and he's in charge of us all. And it's not the first time that's happened. That's the other problem. It's not the first time. So oh no. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean the thing is you can come to many things. I yeah. it's 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 troubling. It's troubling how little Congress has done in the past. 50 years, 60 years. You know, that, that's really what this all comes down to. You just realize that a lot of landmark legislation was passed in the, uh, what do the people call it? Do they call it the Rankwich? No, the, uh, well, the, the progressive courts of the, uh, of the 60s or 70s. And then since then, no laws were made. <laughs> nothing of impact or success. Like nothing. The Congress was just like, all right, time to just, uh, I don't know, free ball some Coke through the 80s. And, just- uh, Ride that let, wave yeah. until it crashes on the sandbar. <laughs> just, just be about corporations and lobbying and kick back, get that money. That's sweet, sweet lobbyist, lobbyist know-how and dollars and uh, and deregulate the market and get rich by investing into things that nobody else has the access or information because you're on special committees and, uh, and just let that ride until you know who knows what bad things could happen just let's just keep doing it and then now here we are that's i think that's how we, that's how i feel about it uh, i feel like they just didn't do much so that's great yeah and now you got a you know, court who's just like hey you guys didn't do anything so uh <laughs> the tides are changing we're just gonna dismantle it all and let the uh let let mad max raid you know let the let let the yahoos out of the uh out of the cupboard you know let the animaniacs out of the tower Let's just see see what chaos they will ensue. So I don't know. That's a down note. <laughs> I was you got anything to else? End the show on a high note. You got a you got a you got a short high one. I might have. All right. This is I was I was saving it because I'm not sure how long it was going to be, but now we got to do it because I I'm not ending on this down note. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> so my town is decided to do a town charter, uh, which is not. They they made it very clear these are not guidelines that neck that successor legislators need to necessarily follow in terms of doing like what they have to do for the town but it is more to create a framework of where we want the town to go does that have you has your town ever done anything like this i don't know like a vision statement it's a vision yes it's basically it's a vision statement that's a little bit more granular because it's it's being um built by the public so they're sourcing ideas from every member of the town as to Think, right. Well, well yeah, I, I, I kind of want to go to a town hall where they actually talk about it. <laughs> here's here's what my most exciting thing for when COVID is kind of like, you know, you know, a little more. We're doing more things in person. I, I can't wait to go to my first town hall meeting to just really the, hear what people no, are concerned about. The petty grievances that are I going to get bubbled up. Is I can't be wait. Predict- Names will be 
will be said. Oh, yeah. Specific oh, oh, people. Yeah. Specific people. Oh, well, no. People are always, they try to be polite, but then they sort of talk about cross streets and then a, t- a house that everyone knows kind of, you know, you see that person will perk up. You'll be like, oh, that's your house. I see you, oh, I it's see you be, there. Anyway, it's going to be terrible. I hope, I hope it's recorded. Anyway, it's so televised on so this local is, station. <laughs> they, they actually do do a recording of it, uh, which I've watched on, on occasion. But it's not the same when everyone's on Zoom. I got to see this in person. Uh, so part of this is, you know, I my big thing is uh, is transit, which I, you know, I, I bore everyone around me to tears because it's my great passion. I don't understand why we don't have progressive transit in this country. Uh, and not just transit. Um, what I like, uh, like what I would codify in terms of like transit would be things like uh, roundabouts at four-way stops. I don't. It, it literally, I think uh, a demon in hell gets its wings every time I have to stop at a four-way stop with three other cars, and they were all waiting to go. I gotta say, Can't I love the roundabouts in Italy. I found it very efficient to keep going. Oh, yeah. It moves traffic. It yeah. moves traffic. Four-way stops. Don't get me started. Four-way stops impede the flow of traffic. They make all the cars have to come together and then start together, which then creates traffic because people are idiots and they're going to go at different speeds regardless of what the speed limit says. And that's going to build traffic. It actually makes it makes it it it. it it forces traffic. It essentially creates traffic when you don't have to have it. So I'm, I'm a massive. I hate four way stops. I want to replace every four way stop with a roundabout because that is the most efficient way to go about dealing with an intersection. And I'm talking about four way stops with traffic lights. I'm talking about four way stops with stop signs. It doesn't matter. I want them all gone, all trashed through the town. And I want to make it easy for cars to move about. But at the same time, I'm very much concerned about pedestrians because I was going to say the, the the downfall is you can't have pedestrian crosses, but you can't have pedestrian crossing because what you the can do bridges. is you can do no. Well, you can, well, yes, you can actually build bridges, which are kind of cool um, over may over like major thoroughfare, like big areas. Bridges are actually acceptable. That's something you could do, but over smaller areas, like let's say you're replacing a stop sign with um, uh, a roundabout or uh, what we call them here is are we, what, what do we call them? Do we call them Circle. rotunds? You can, you can call them a circle, but there's something else that we call them. Actually, it's very American. Uh, it's not round, roundabout is English. Um, anyway, you could do cross. You could do crosses and you could raise them. So therefore, it makes cars have to stop. That, that's what I want to do, too. I want to replace what? all what you, raise crosswalks. Yes, that, it's a thing. It's in Europe. They have them all over the place. You don't why not do just build a bridge. Why would, why would you have no, a because you, well, a bridge is much more expensive. And it really would take, then yes. the uh, no continued maintenance of a mechanism that ri- that rises. They're not the, no, they do they do not take as much I, maintenance as a, a bridge. Wait, I don't understand no. what you're talking about. A, a you don't raise them. No, I'm sorry. They're not like. Don't think about it like a boat. Like a, like you're you're raising a bridge for a boat to go under. I'm talking. What are you talking about? Raised crosswalks. It just means a crosswalk. Right now, when you like have a sidewalk, speed bump. Yes, like a walkable speed bump. A walkable speed bump. That's exactly right. That's so you're exactly forcing the car to stop to slow, before it goes on slow. the roundabout. Yes, before it goes on the roundabout. That's I don't like. Uh, do. I don't. I don't like. I personally would not feel comfortable crossing at a roundabout. Yeah, I don't know, man. What's the difference? People go through stop signs all the time. Yeah, but at least. What's well, the difference? It's just what the, you know. Well, I'm I'm thinking more of a four way stop at a red at a red light with lights 
where you have the red light there. Yeah. So what? Because, because tra- even, even the idea of the first car stopping and yeah. then there's traffic and then you can cross once the red is, if you feel more comfortable, but crossing the and then to... someone could like come and just run. Well, they, well, they wouldn't. Worries me. well, they wouldn't because natural, the natural flow of a roundabout is you have to yield to your left. So you're going to have to come to a stop. It's someone who's not familiar with the road or like freaks. Oh, out. well, yeah. Well, you could say that with anything. You could say a drunk driver goes through a stop sign and kills somebody. I mean, the, you could put any kind of scenario in there. Yeah, but red lights are harder to blow through. In a, in, a, in a massive intersection, a true red light intersection, I would definitely advocate for um, a bridge. Bridge. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. So let's just put that out there. If for a massive intersection, I would say a bridge is absolutely necessary. What I'm talking about are smaller engagements. Like what you would do with a four-way stop with stop signs where the car, where it is just a, usually it's local roads. You're not a highway and you're meant to stop anyway. So adding the added protective barrier of having a speed bump, which is what you call a raised sidewalk. They should just have a, a, like an antenna or something right at the roundabout that slows your car down for you. Sure, sure. If you want to build, you want you, you want more expensive technology to yeah. be mm-hmm. uh, and every, and every car by, has it implanted. Yeah. Oh, okay, that controls it, and you don't have to worry about it. Anymore. Okay, that's cool. Okay, so this guy wants to pull a nader. He he instead of <laughs> instead of doing something autonomously that is proven effective in Europe because we they have them and they Until work. So Europe does my idea, and then you're going to be on a later pod saying, you know what Europe's doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Because actually, yeah. you know what Europe's doing is they're putting speed governors on their cars. Oh, are they really? I've, I read that, but I don't know if it's true. I've never heard that before. I'll anyway, throw that out there. Anyway, I like so the idea. If if you listener, if you've never heard of the idea of a raised crosswalk, they are incredibly effective and they double as controls for speed. So that's the other thing why I like them. Without four way stops, we have a lot of crosswalks. Which uh, we have a lot of crosswalks in our town, uh, mostly around the school area. Uh, that are not around four-way stops, so they're just you. They're just straightaways. They're straightaways, and cars are meant to pay attention to signs, uh, signage uh, that basically says that this is a crosswalk. And then there's the paint on the ground, but there's no actual physical barrier that says to a car that you need to slow down. It's it's really there's so many contingencies that are left on the driver in order to respect the speed limit, in order to not mow over a child trying to get to school. And that's what I'm saying. If you put in raised crosswalks, it forces drivers to slow down. They cannot speed if they say, oh, there's no kids around. I want to speed anyway. And so that you don't need all these speed signs around that say like it's 15 miles an hour here, 25 miles an hour here. It's not necessary. You get rid of all those because you've got a bevy of raised crosswalks that you would have to get through that would make it almost impossible to reach a maximum speed that would allow you to kill a pedestrian. So that's another reason why you would put them in. How does that work though to get to exit the roundabout? Is there a ra- it has nothing to do with well? I, I passed the roundabout. I'm talking about just regular crosswalks, regular crosswalks. Wait, but so this wouldn't be for a roundabout? You could do it for a roundabout as well. Oh, the, I thought I'm talking about regular crosswalks in general. I moved to school crosswalks. So, like, oh, school- I thought the raised walkway was for roundabouts. It's for both. It can be for both. How do you exit a roundabout when you have to slow down like that? Because you have to, you have to slow down anyway when you're yielding. It's it's only. Why would you yield to leave the roundabout? You don't yield to leave. No, you wouldn't yield to leave. But you have to imagine that these are very these are very small roundabouts. We're not talking about highway roundabouts. 
you can't it reach. It seems a, odd that you would have to slow down when you're actually in the roundabout. That seems like it'll cause a log jam. Well, no, you're slowing down as you're exiting the roundabout, but yeah. you're still moving with the traffic and everyone would be, you would still be moving together. It should not be as big of a deal as you're making it out. To no, are you sure this is how it's functioning? It, the roundabouts are a completely different scenario. It's a completely different scenario. You, you <laughs> ignore the roundabouts, people. <laughs> Jamie is stuck on the crosswalk. I just don't see how you can functionally exit the roundabout if you had to slow down to go over a speed bump. All you've done is prove that I need to concentrate on regular <laughs> crosswalks that are as far away from four-way stops as possible, which are fine. So let's just talk about raised crosswalks at school crossings, which are not four-way stops. The children, the kids. Think the kids. about the kids. Let's just think about the kids. These help protect the pedestrian because it makes the pedestrian feel safer knowing that there's a physical barrier that the car needs to slow down in order to, before it can go. So it also there's a lot of talk in the town as well about hedges uh, creating blind spots for. People oh, yeah. Jeez, coming on corners into, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. On corners in the road. Right. Yeah. So this also helps with that. So not only is it make sure that drivers adhere to the speed limit, which is around 20 miles per hour, it also protects uh, from drivers inadvertently hitting somebody because they a hedge is overgrown and they uh, and they don't see someone that's entering the crosswalk. Uh, so there's just a myriad of different things that that a raised crosswalk can do for a town uh, that is incredibly progressive and uh, and keeps both drivers, cyclists, cyclists, runners and everyone uh, in, a, in, a, in a more safe environment and uh, and uh, and using uh, the, you know, these spaces together. So uh, it's, it's, it's quite nice. Now, JB, the thing is, you got me stuck on this because I love talking about this. I, my whole question to you was, if your town were to do something similar, <laughs> what is it that you would want done? That was my question. That was the whole point of this. I was going to say that if your town did something quite similar in Jersey, what is it that you would want to be done? You mean? If your town I mean, had a vision. To what improve, is it that, yeah, to to improve, improve the, town. the town, but yeah. from a from a functional or recreational perspective. Doesn't matter. I went, I went bare. I mean, I went, what my yeah. town doesn't have that I wish it did have was a center of town, a main street. Okay. And so that's what I would want. I would want develop a developed main street, a center of town where you could park, have a pedestrian area that you could walk around and do that whole thing. We okay. don't have. So that's one thing that I would want. We have plenty of farmland to do that, but we don't have that. So you want to take land away from the farmers which i imagine are pretty no 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 i mean there's there's just plenty of undeveloped space now i'm not advocating to develop all of this space and i mean arguably you could move a lot of the developed space to this new space and then undevelop that space if you want to do an even trade i think that their things are just um they they were developed organically as the town grew yeah. over Which is you know, true for the things, last yeah. hundred years. And so it's not planned appropriately if you would look at it now coming in and saying, oh, I would never plan a town this way. Yeah. So I don't know if that's really the task of a charter, but to modernize the town into a more cohesive layout. It's part, I mean, it's part of ours. We have two, we have one main town, one main uh, thoroughfare, uh, which is like near the train station that was naturally developed away, you know, because it's near the train station. So you have a lot of people coming off of the train to, uh, to walk home from work or drive home from work. And, uh, and that's like the main center of towns. It's almost like an old town. And then we have like a new town 
which part of the charter is to develop the new town because it's it's uh it's on a road that is very congested guess why it's incredibly congested because there's a four-way stop every two blocks with lights it's a light four-way stop as opposed to letting people get on with the business uh via roundabouts um and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, that's part of the charter. So, yeah, this is this, I'm just saying you could add that in. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's that's very reasonable. What would I change? Um, I would want my recycling right now is um, limited to the smaller cans and they only do once every two weeks. I'd want wow. a bigger can move to weekly. Oh, OK. OK. Um, hmm. I think for the amount of taxes that we pay, our roads could be a little better maybe paved. I've noticed a lot in Jersey and mm-hmm. I don't know if this is some weird like misperception that I have, but towns with high taxes have the worst roads. We have really high taxes. We have terrible roads. Yeah. And when you go into towns with lower taxes, their roads are impeccable. And yes. that's not a population thing because those towns have larger populations. So I do not understand the correlation. I wonder if that has to do with the industry, because towns with lower taxes have much higher big box industry. And I wonder mm-hmm. if as a result of that, where you have uh, either wh- whether it be like uh, massive storage for, you know, what, what have you in terms of like the, the, the industry that needs to store things. I wonder if the having are like, dude, my, 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 my inventory is getting damaged because you got yeah. all these potholes i that's what i wonder actually i do because because as you say that that's really what's clicking in my head in terms of the light bulb is i wonder if you have someone that's like a i don't know a target big box store and they've got 18 wheelers coming through your town i wonder if, if targets you know they're putting they're putting more pressure to be like these roads need to be better because we need these trucks delivered on time and we can't afford this nonsense with them hitting these potholes i wonder if that's where the maintenance, like the emphasis on maintenance comes from, because that would make sense to me. That would, I mean, that that's usually if a town has very low taxes, it's because it has a, a big hub of some sort of industry that is, uh, that is actually squarely put placed within the town's uh, borders. That is interesting. So that would make sense why the roads are so good for us is a town like mine, which has almost zero industry. That's very, has, like the roads are awful. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what else would I do? I don't know. I think that's, I think that's it for now. I think those are my petty grievances. Um, still haven't experienced everything the town has to offer. Still making my way out of my cave after COVID. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I, I don't want to advocate for more commercial business. I think we we're doing well. I think we have a good balance of developed to rural to undeveloped, um, School systems are good. I would. What we are missing is waterfront. We don't have really lakes or streams. I'm not sure if that's anything the town can do about that, but we do not have really like areas where you can go and be next to bodies of water. There's like one park, um, but small, like little streams that you really can't access. But again, I don't, it's more of just like, I think a fact of the matter of the, ge- the geography rather than anything that can be fixed. I don't know. I think that's, I, I don't really have any major issues as of now. 
Um, other than the township itself could be a little more responsive in some of their departments. I've had to do more chasing for permits than I would care to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, well, I thought I'd throw it out there because I thought that would be interesting. Listeners, if you're out there and you live in a city or a town, you know, I would love to hear what your your number one gripe or grievance. If you were giving access to a town charter, a governance for the future of your area, I would love to hear something that you would love to uh, to um, to have to be improved. Uh, so I thought <laughs> so that Antoine, was a- Antoine wants roundabouts and I want more frequent recycling. Yeah, <laughs> these are not major issues. They are. They're local. People say go local. This is what happens when you go local. These are the things that people start talking about that and and buildings, things like low income housing or affordable. We shouldn't call it low income. I should say affordable housing uh, in, in certain areas. Uh, so that's also one of those things. But that's you know what uh, happens a lot, too, is that you can sell or buy it. So a town could very much end up with no none of that housing because they've um, sold or bought. Uh, from another neighboring town. Solar vault, what? The, the, I guess, the mandatory allocation that they need to have. Oh, interesting. So, like, if your town, let's say, yeah. doesn't want to have affordable housing, yeah, um, they can pay another town money and to they'll accept it there while they don't have any gotcha. and pass that on to the taxpayers. So, um, it's, interesting um yeah it's i don't i mean obviously you could just say okay you can't do that anymore yeah uh but it's probably what i would do it's yeah i feel like it's i i always try and see both sides of it and i i don't i'm not advocating to do that but part of me is like well if another town is taking it and you're paying them like what is the functional difference other than consolidating too much of that in one area, which I guess is what that's, the risk is. That's the, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes them have a much poorer school system yeah. overall because you've, you cannot mix out and you know, you can't level out the amount of in- the incomes to the town. So, but I guess the school system part bothers me because I don't want it to be based on property taxes anyway. I get that. And yeah, I think but, that it, that's because like, it, but because it is, then it's just like you're just ensuring a, mu- a much lower quality and standard by doing that. Yeah, no, I guess it's that. Which but then it's awful. like, but so then if school systems weren't a thing, because I don't agree that school systems are based on property taxes to begin with, I think mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because even then it doesn't even matter because you can still have inequity between townships and even within townships. Um, yeah, this is true. If that was not part of it, would would there be an issue with it? Because part of me is like, these are like political lines being drawn when you're thinking about municipalities. Um, is well, there I mean, there's any a lot other... of different problems. There's, there, are, there are other problems. I mean, you're you're basically. I mean, this is this is the issue of projects in the city. This is the, the problem that once once you put. If you're if you're putting people who do not have as much political power because they just do not have as much money to dedicate to. Mm. Um, to to their politicians in order to to fight for what they want, uh, you know you're you're, you're isolating them in, in some way uh, because the, the town the, the towns around them, which are richer towns, you know they they have more cash to throw around and more sure, influence and yeah, they have businesses, well, they, yeah, local businesses like a lot of different thing, things. Right? Yeah. So that's what I say. So you're creating almost like a project. You're creating a, a an area that is ripe for squalor, that is ripe for neglect essentially. So you have well-meaning people that are choosing to live in these areas because they want to get a leg up. So they're trying to live somewhere that's affordable, uh, you know, and, uh, and the thing is affordable housing should not be 
bare minimum housing. It shouldn't be crap housing either. That's the other problem that happened with the projects. But the reason it gets, it doesn't start off crap, but it becomes crap because people are not investing in it. And there's no incentive to invest in it because the people who live there have very little political power. So it, so it just becomes this snowball of, of neglect, essentially, until it gets to the point where it's like a crime ridden zone. And then it makes it very easy to police it because you then you direct all the money instead of directing money to those people into the housing, you put it into the police force in order to police these people that you've now de- that have now turned to crime because their situation has just gotten worse over the the, the period of like 20 or 40 years. Uh, so, yeah, it just perpetuates this, this crazy scenario where it makes you blame those people for the situation that they're in. When in reality, it's it's the people with money who've built this and created this scenario mm. and, and, and watched it play out. So I'm just saying that, that that's that's some that's of the a stuff really, that's, really good point. I mean, not that's to pretty say awful, that, not to say it was on the other side of it, but there is like a shade of retraction here on my end where I didn't think about it that way. And I'm glad I brought it up because you have kind of crystallized the topic a little more for me. You've, you've clarified it. Um, I didn't think of the lack of influence a cluster like that would have versus a more well-off ingrained in the local township group would it's interesting that's why i would outlaw it (laughs) because that's the because that's the the inevitability i'm pretty sure you can i don't know if i think there might have been a recent change in new jersey i don't know to what Mm -hmm. degree but i know for a long time you could do that in a certain town i've never been in a town that did that but i know that there were towns that were doing that yeah Anyway, that that's my that's my initial danger. But I think I think we got away. I think I think we're on a higher note to end the show. I, th- I think we're in a better place. <laughs> so we're on a high note. Roundabouts, and roundabouts, recycling, raised crosswalks. People people look into it. Raised crosswalks. They're the future. That's the way to do a town. Um, oh, and I would widen the sidewalks as well and create uh, a running bike lane. Oh, alongside. well, well, I didn't have this and in, in, I don't have this in my neighborhood anymore, but this is the first neighborhood I've ever been in that has had sidewalks. And yeah. what I would say for anywhere, and this wouldn't even impact me, but for the good of society, any town, everyone should have sidewalks. Oh, well said. I agree 130% with that one. That's Everyone exactly has sidewalks. Right. Yeah. I, I've never had them. Um, it was incredibly dangerous. And um, yeah, I would feel a lot better, especially now with kids. Everyone had sidewalks. Yeah, not only is it great for children in terms of their independence, if you have properly maintained and protected, the thing is you need the sidewalks to be protected in some manner or uh, form as well, which is by slowing down traffic is another way of protecting your sidewalks. No, I'll tell you a better way to protect your sidewalks. I want that. Here's one. Yeah. I want it to be a law that developers and maybe even homeowners, I'm going to make go out on a limb and even say homeowners are not allowed to plant trees next to sidewalks. All it does is break the sidewalk. And that is a hazard. And I'm sick of it. I don't know what people are thinking. Stop doing this. People think in a few years, you are going to break your sidewalk and it's going to be rendered unusable and it's not good curb appeal. Stop doing it. Just move it off, offset it, move it back. Why do you plant so close to the sidewalk? All right. I get you can get the dome effect <laughs> in the street, right? You got the trees touching, creates a nice little tunnel. I get it. I don't know. Figure right. something else out. We got to figure something else out. We have to have known sidewalk breaking trees 
species of them. And those are no-nos. Find a species that will not break your sidewalk. The root system isn't strong enough. Figure it out. That's uh-huh. what the township needs to come up with. Guidelines for trees next to sidewalks. Okay. All right. That peeve of mine. There you go. So, Jay, where can they find us? <laughs> find us on Twitter. Share your pictures of broken sidewalks. We'll retweet them. Um, we will. But I will. I will. If you do that, um, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. As always, keep sending us topic ideas. If you have anyone um, who you think should be a special guest, you can mention them as well. We've had a few interested parties recently. Um, let us know. Uh, uh, I should say, uh, pick out your favorite episode, send it to a friend or family, and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. All right. And with that, we're traction out. <laughs> <laughs>